Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com What's up, everyone? It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. It is also Tom's birthday eve, so happy birthday, Tom. Big 4-0, man. I did it. I didn't die. How's it feeling? <laughs> uh, you know, you just feel old. Everything, like, sugar doesn't taste as sweet anymore. I'm kidding. I, I feel great, actually, to be honest. Uh, very, very fortunate to uh, be celebrating 40 uh, tomorrow. And so we don't do the show on Thursdays at two. So we came on today to do kind of like an AMA. And we have maybe about 10 questions from some people. And then after this show, I, I have a date with the post office. And so we have three books uh, for people that that wrote in at you can get me Tom at collateralbase.com. Uh, send me your email. I'm sorry, email me a question that you want us to answer on the show. And if we ask, answer that question on the show, I will send you a book. So then also do give us your address. Hey, nice shirt, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, Richard Pryor is is from Peoria. And so, yeah. like, you know, he's he's a local boy that did good. And uh, he also has blistering satire, which is still relevant today. For real, though. I mean, uh, speak, you know, I'm going to share this little shimmy there for you guys. If I can not fuck it up. Hey, look at that. I didn't mess it up. Nah. Uh, Craig Cecil's free. He's a lifer, a marijuana yes. lifer. He's one of the lifers. And so he's free, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. he's at home confinement. I mean, uh, do you get out because of COVID? I believe so. It's, well, it, I mean, home confinement, at least he can be home and see his family, you know, as opposed to being in a box. Yeah. Well, you know, his story, too, is his son died behind bars while he's been behind bars. His uh, dad died. I mean, uh, luckily, right there with his daughter. Uh, that's an amazing thing. Did you see and more? So that's a good news. That is some good news. That's some good news in cannabis legalization news, man. Did you see this bullshit, though, man, with this Tennessee lawmaker? No, Tennessee lawmaker blocked resolution to honor murder teen over alleged marijuana sale. Uh, that guy is on the wrong side of history, but well, uh, you know. Listen, I mean, if we can, I mean, it's not. It's it's just public, right? Uh, listen yeah, to this. It's shit. public domain. This is C-SPAN, so C-SPAN yeah. doesn't necessarily have. You know, we have more of a Creative Commons license there. Well, it's politics too, right? This is right. A policy and right. uh, speech. It, it tears me apart. Um, people wonder why Black Lives Matter is important to say or why it, it doesn't make anything lesser. Listen to this guy. What led to this young lady's untimely demise and due to the behavior and I will say choices that she was involved in. For fucking weed. 
I cannot in good conscience vote in favor of this. I rise to apologize to her family and friends and say that I, I do feel in my heart that I wish I could support this resolution. One guy. But I, I simply cannot. In his heart. The activity yeah. she was involved in. That led the activity because of marijuana. She was buying weed. And then he goes on to say, I will, I'm willing to sign a petition to, to defend her family or to uh, support her family, but not her. And because she I, uses marijuana and a bad person. Yeah. That's I mean, not good. that's bad news. Um, there was yeah. some good news, though, on uh, the marijuana moment was reporting Louisiana Governor John Bell oh, yeah. Edwards signed a bill that will let patients get medical marijuana for any debilitating condition their doctor sees fit. So that is a very large opening to the medical cannabis market in uh, Louisiana. And so we're going to have to go down and look in Louisiana uh, so that we can see where and how you can get your medical card in Louisiana, how you can become a medical cannabis dispensary in Louisiana, and how you can become a medical cannabis grower in Louisiana. I wonder if um, in Louisiana they'll see reduction of crime because that's, you know, New Orleans. Uh Yep. You know, alcohol consumption, it's popular. It's a uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah, that, that was like, Illinois has turned into New Orleans in the sense that now you can get uh, cocktails to go because of COVID. And so like it's not like New Orleans as much where, you know, it's just a roving cocktail party and you can like take the cocktail and just walk to the next bar uh, like you can in New Orleans. But we did have some other real pretty pretty good news pretty good news and so uh here's some big news out of illinois big news out of illinois is we know no uh toy hutchinson friend of the show we've got to get her on uh, eventually uh, uh she has mentioned that um the dispensary licenses are, are due to come in mid-july uh and then in september will be craft grow infuser transporters coming in august and so that's great. I've we've put in a lot of apps for uh, a lot of these people and we can't wait to see what's going to happen. But the uh, mid-July number, basically, we're a month out. So we're essentially a month out from uh, us knowing who won and who lost in Illinois for your uh, adult use dispensaries. And there's still a few uh, roving 10 day notices out there. I know. Um, you know, friends of the show that have called in and I've helped them. And so it's it's great that uh, we're still scoring the app and hopefully the apps will be done scoring by the end of the month. And then there's going to be this uh, tie breaking stuff that's going to really be exciting and crazy because, you know, at the end of the day, it appears that uh, you can do your best and then you have to come down to a roll of a dice. Well, it's funny as you have seen the behind the scenes, it's like the whole act of like uh, rewriting things and new leg legislation or regulation coming out mm -hmm. before the stores have been open, right? But me as a consumer, I'm more excited about when those doors open because then there's going to be a whole culture evolving around your recreational scene. You know, you're going to have not just, not just the dispensaries. It's going to be uh, the culture that's going to happen after the grows come out. And for example, Richard Hefferman just uh, asked us, how many plants can I grow in Illinois? And I am going to give the most lawyer answer ever. It depends. Who are you? Are you a medical patient? Are you at your residence? Do you own the residence? Then five. Uh, and you have to grow them correctly in the sense that you're a medical patient. You grow them in an enclosed, locked space, and it is not visible from the street. In theory, you'd be able to use a greenhouse to be able to do this. And not only that, I kind of I go into that more in this. Uh, this is a page that's kind of burning up the, uh, the SEO. And so tomorrow, I'll 
you can go to this page now, but like tomorrow I'll actually publish this Illinois Weed Laws review. And uh, that's something that I was doing yesterday. Uh, and so you're going to have more of an overview of what happens uh, right there. And um, hmm. and so after that, let's let's more cannabis legalization news. I didn't I didn't you know show this. And so like some people ask like, well, how can I get a book? You can email me, or you can go to shadyhousepub.com. This is the name of the publishing company that me and a friend of mine started when I was in law school. And uh, there you can get a copy of uh, the Satan Smoke book. We do have. We do have, uh, let's see here. Let me just remove that. And we're going to uh, Joliet, uh, Orchard Park, New York, and um, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Nice. So those will be going out in the mail. And if anybody else wants one, please do get your um, uh, your question to me at Tom at Collateral Base. We ask it on the air, or we answer it on the air, and then we will um, send you a book. Uh, and so here's one. How many transporter licenses do you expect? 50? 60? A lot. I think Is there going to be a lot. cap on that at all? Like nope. Just like you have growers and producers caps? Nope. Nope. It's uh, wide open. You just have to get over a certain uh, percentage of the points, and then you win. Oh, Jesus. So, uh, hopefully, uh, every well, I, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot. But then yeah. it's going to be how do you differentiate yourself? And uh, it's really not a ripe business model until approximately... 12 months after the craft growers win because you have about six months to build out for your craft growers. And then it's, this is one of the bad things because if it's um, craft grow in September, okay, we have a problem with the craft grow in September because if you have craft grow and then the regulations say you have to be open in six months for production, we have this thing in Illinois called winter. Yeah. Uh, and, and so like our, uh, we're a little different than Seattle. Uh, we get what they call froze out. So like, you're not really supposed to be pouring concrete when it's negative 20, uh, like in February, for example. Oh, right. Right. And so, right. Oh, and then God. what's going to probably happen is they're going to have to continue that. So, uh, if they announce winners for grows in September and it's six months to build out, uh, that puts us into March, which is impossible because of winter construction. Yeah. And then you have approximately five more months while you get your uh, perpetual harvest methodologies up to snuff and you maybe fail a couple of rounds and, and then you get your flowering capacity up to hopefully about 100 to 110 pounds every two weeks. And then uh, that, that takes time. So it might be another five months uh, before you're actually shipping flour, which means that you can win your transportation app, uh, you know, license here in August. And really not have any customers until about next August. Now, is transportation just from grow to store? Yep. Okay. It's like okay. a liquor distributor. They just go, they pick it up from the brewery, they take it to the bars and the uh, the, the other places that have a liquor license to sell. Well, what about delivery? Oh, delivery. That is actually, I think, one of the questions that we had from one of the audience members on the AMA. We kind of put out a vibe about uh, this so the delivery aspect in Illinois, uh, there is a bill, uh, an amendment. I shouldn't call it bill. There's a bill. And then after it's law, then you have amendments. And so there's an amendment to the CRTA out there that would allow the dispensaries to then have the ability to do delivery. So it, that's how it is in Florida. Of course, the Florida has a unified license. That is how it is in um, L.A., so, so no some dispensaries in, in California have uh, and then it's the delivery is always tied to the uh, dispensing. Right. So like no weed postmates where I can't just be like, I'm a service, an angel service. Actually, I think angel service is in L.A. where they uh, it's, it's a bunch of women that 
pick it up from dispensaries and bring it to locals. So there are people. Again, it's, it's a fairly gray area. So yeah. it's one of those things with, because uh, we have a couple of questions for some viewers here that we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, I just wanted to show everybody that, and then uh, we'll talk about that in a while. And then also that. And so, yeah, I guess we can get into some of the AMA stuff. So if you guys do have any questions that are watching it, and there's about 32 of us, uh, please do uh, ask the questions regarding cannabis law in the bottom uh, or wherever you're watching it, Facebook, YouTube. Well, the first one's asked if we can get in trouble for weed shipments in the mail. Weed shipments in the mail. Can you get in trouble for weed shipments in the mail, card or not? Um, that's going to depend. Okay, let's talk about like the differences between shipping at UPS versus shipping at USPS. Uh, now, the United Postal Service, uh, or no, the United Parcel Service, that's UPS, is different than the United States uh, Postal Service. One of them, you have uh, Fourth Amendment protections because it's a state actor. The other one, you don't. And so when you ship uh, privately, uh, you risk inspection more than if you ship uh, using the United States Post Office. But it's a federal uh, entity, so it doesn't make it federal? It's a federal entity. That's right. But that, that still means that you have uh, the rights against unreasonable search and seizure of your stuff. Mm. And so because of that, provided that it's, you know, you, you don't have like fragile marijuana buds on the outside and it's just not reeking, like, you know, uh, or, or you're not being flagrant in the sense that, you know, it's it's legal to have an ounce in Illinois, right? So can I mail you seven eighths of an ounce? Uh, I could check the law that, that there might be an express prohibition against, please do not be mailing seven eighths of an ounce of cannabis to people in Illinois. Um, but in theory, like if I'm gifting it to you and I'm using, you know, I'm like, no, nope, just, just some gifts, nothing. Uh, Cause what are the, what do they always ask you at the post office? When I go, they're going to ask me anything flammable or uh, batteries in that. And that no, and then these go media mail, which they they do have the right to inspect then just to make sure that these are books and I'm not actually shipping this, you know, um, and trying to get uh, around the low postage for media as opposed to for like anything else. So you can uh, gift in Illinois then? Yeah, you can gift up to the legal limit. And so you're allowed to do that. I can't gift it to somebody under 21, okay. uh, but I can gift to an adult, uh, essentially the um, the 20 or the the, the full ounce. Uh, let's see here. James Rice asks another one. How soon after award can a license sell in Illinois? So let's then say that you won your uh, your cannabis lottery because you made it into the lottery. So your dispensary application was very strong and you made the lottery. Uh, how long after you get the award of the license are you allowed to start selling cannabis? That depends. Uh, again, uh, hopefully you'd be able to do it within six to 12 months. You have 12 months in which that you must start. You have six months in which that you have to find a location. Illinois was good in the sense that they tried to keep the price down so that you did not have to have a physical location for your retail outlet. Uh, there was a lot of shakedown that happened during the medical uh, because, you know, there'd be like a non-refundable $10,000 security deposit or something like that. Yeah, sure. You know, so those are gone, which is nice. Unless you're you're a grow, then you needed uh, real estate. And so um, it's a little different in Illinois. Uh, how quickly could you feasibly do it if you had all your ducks in a row and the state? Because the state has to say you can do it. So the state has to go in and be like, let me see all your uh, security protocols. Let's see your floor plan that you put into the application because that's a condition. And so if everything works and, and the zoning has checked it and you get everything uh, installed correctly, it's all ADA compliant. You have all the security cameras. Everything's working. 
Sure. Uh, maybe you can get open in six months. Maybe you can get open a little bit less. But uh, because you have to have all those contractors that need to come in, and then you also have the, the state that needs to approve it, and you also have the municipality zoning that needs to approve it as well. Uh, just all those those layers uh, and hoops that you have to jump through can make it kind of make it take some time. James asked another good question. He said, how soon can you flip the license? Oh, uh, there that... We don't necessarily know. There are some restrictions regarding the social equity. Uh, if they sell it, I believe within two years. Uh, for the craft growers, they I believe they had to hold the license and they can't flip it in that instance for two years until like December of 2022, if I recall correctly. Um, and yeah, I'm sure that some of the licenses are already up for sale. Sure. You know, it's it's one of those things where if you win and then you turn around and sell it, you might make a quick million bucks or, or more. I mean, isn't that the whole point? I mean, uh, uh, it's like when people say rock stars sell out, right? Like when I was younger, you know, Metallica was never going to be on MTV, blah, blah, blah. But the whole point of doing what you're doing is so you can have some money, you know, so you can have a little, uh, you know, the next level, whatever that is. Yeah, there's that. Well, let's go to the question two from our um from the people that reached out to us. Uh, so can you start a bakery without having a grow house or dispensary first? Also, do I need residency to grow my medical marijuana? Is it possible to use an office space if permitted by the owner or building property manager? Oh. Well, we're gonna have to unpack that. That sounds like it's at least three different questions. One of them is, uh, can, I, can you start a bakery without having a grow or dispensary? No, maybe. If you had the infuser license. So yeah. let's say you have the infuser license and then you're going to make, um, you know, the best cannabis muffins ever. And so that is your dream. You're amazing at making cannabis muffins. And so there you go. You have a bakery that can make infused uh, cannabis products. If you have an infuser license, those are going to be announced in August. The infuser license uh, was probably the easiest to get in the sense that it had the fewest uh, competitors. The craft growers is probably the most competitive. Okay. The second part of that question is, does she need to have residency to grow medical marijuana in Illinois? I'm assuming it's Illinois. Yes. Yes. Uh, you cannot grow medical marijuana unless you are an Illinois resident because you need to be an Illinois medical marijuana patient and you're only allowed to grow it at your residence. So the question, your second question is, can I use my office space is permitted by the older or owner or building manager to grow my medical cannabis? No. Uh, and that's something that I might is support an amendment to the law. You know, it's maybe you could have then like grow collectives, you know, medical grow collectives. I think that would be uh, better as opposed to me trying to struggle and grow my own medicine and be like, well, tastes OK. So uh, can I go to me? He doesn't. Uh, he, when I asked you about the gifting issue earlier, uh, it's in the books, right? You're, you're allowed to uh, gift. Yeah, you're allowed to gift up to your legal limits. I mean, you're not allowed to give. I can't give you like two ounces of marijuana. That's too much. But if I'm allowed to have uh, an ounce, I think you are allowed to gift it. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I would I would direct my own attention to review to try to get the answer on this to um, Article 10 of the, the CRTA, because that's the one on personal use. You know what we haven't talked about, which was some good news that we got over this week for our Pennsylvania and like the Philadelphia. Oh, we yeah. Yeah, we're going to have um, Senator Leach from Pennsylvania, the sponsor of SB 350 that we've done a lot of uh, stuff on the show about, like the micro grower license. And we're going to talk with him about how 
we can try to start exporting this Illinois law so that you can build a large coalition uh, in your legislature in whatever state that you have to pass it. Because the ballot initiative states are pretty much done. Now it's going to have to be done in the legislature. And so uh, we're going to talk with the Pennsylvania legislature about uh, aspects of the Illinois law. And we're going to talk more about the Illinois law and it's R3 and also it's social equity uh, low income loan program here later on when I get to my birthday present part of the show. Uh, and so uh, that's going to be a fascinating discussion to talk to where they where they're coming from, how the bill is stacking up because their bill was small. It's only like 35 pages. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, wow. That's, I mean, it's just not enough. What? <laughs> I just think, I mean, is it, is it, does it leave a lot of room for, uh, you know, entry? Is that what it's trying to do? Um, I don't know. I think it is, it's, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Cause well, like you said, but in Florida, right. They kind of left some room at the end there. Cause it was first non-flower and then they kind of little wiggle room there. Like the whole not start with flower always buzz. Oh yeah, that's um, that's 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 a little different on how they did it in Florida. In Florida, you know, because like, we can read whatever Florida's ballot initiative is going to become, and then it's it's more like how they do in Washington State, where you know you pass this ballot initiative, and then the, the legislature's directed to kind of like beef up the, the the aspects of it. So like right now, I could pull up Arizona's ballot initiative, and I bet Arizona's ballot initiative is in the ballpark of twenty pages. And so, like, it's just not as detailed as what we've done in Illinois. And so the, that's that's the downside of the ballot initiative states. So like, it's just harder for them uh, to like, especially if the amendment issue is supposed to be very, very small. So like in Missouri, for example, medical, though, that was brought by you guys via a ballot initiative, right? Nope. No, it's legislative. OK. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like that. I'm sorry. That's what I was getting at. It's like. You guys, as legislation, created an infrastructure already because that's how your process is. The legislation has to put it out. Whereas right. ballot initiative is more like, hey, we the people want to get this pushed through. Um, kind of like with our homegrown issue here where we got it so far into the House and Senate. Then, of course, all the committee stuff, right? It's getting held up in all these committees. And that's right. Why? Why, why are we holding this up? No. That's one of the reasons why I want to talk to uh, Senator Leach from Pennsylvania and be like, you see, it's only 35 pages. And like oh, ours was 600 and there's a lot of social justice reform in it. So if you want to get a lot more supporters, explain to them how the money is going to be spent. Explain to them how the taxes are going to be raised. Tell them where it's going to go, how it's going to fix the community, how it's going to uh fix the problems of the drug war, which I'm assuming Pennsylvania's got almost 13 million people. Uh, Illinois got almost 12. Uh, there's clearly got to be people that were impacted by the oh. uh, drug war in Pennsylvania. You know, this this trickle down theory of uh, uh, crime, you know, uh, from the beginning, right? Like from the beginning of prohibition, it was like, all right, just the blacks and Hispanics were good because no white person is going to smoke weed and want to enjoy life. And then uh, all those Jews that were doing the jazz with all the black people in New York were smoking their cigarettes. And they're like, this is great. And then, you know, fast forward another 30 years and you got the hippies and the beatniks and everybody's like, oh, damn. And, and then, Nixon, you know, that's that's it was the counterculture. And so yeah. uh, they were trying to wage war on the counterculture, which they kind of still do. I mean, like it's still it, it, libtard. Come on. Like it's still libtard commie BS, you know, they still wage war on, for example, don't you guys have um, something going on in Seattle where you just have like a precinct that doesn't have any police? 
Yeah, well, so they took over six blocks uh, right there in front of the precinct. And actually, I started a GoFundMe. Let me see if I can share it. And then, uh, uh, so what I want to do, I want to uh, collect some money and give out free weed. Is that is that legal? Uh, I'm in a legal state. Nice. <laughs> but so here, uh, uh, actually, I, I won't go through all that crap. But, um, you know, the, the point is that the CHOP, which is now called the CHOP for Capitol Hill Occupation Protest, Capitol um, Hill occupation protest. The chop. Well, this is how smart we are, dude. Because I usually originally it was called the Chaz. Capitol Hill. Chaz. Autonomous zone. Yeah. The widest name. Hey, Chet. <laughs> you know, but uh, they're so smart, though. The These libtards put together a think tank. And we're like, you know what? We don't want to take over the Black Lives Movement conversation. Right. We just want to have an overall conversation. You know, the, the fund the police situation. The You know, let's reexamine where... All the money goes right because cops don't need bazookas or stingrays to hear my fucking phone call. They they just don't. And uh, so yeah, they took over six blocks. The conversation's going, and my happiness about the whole situation is fuck Trump because he's been tweeting about it. He's been uh, it's a sore spot, and if other cities pick up on this and occupy one street, and maybe some other idiot like me is like, hey, I'm gonna give you free weed just to stay there because we're on day 18 of protests, and there hasn't been tear gas used in six days and they took over all six blocks so you know we can live in this world together without you know we don't need to be policed heavily all the time no we need the police we We do not need the militarized police that is always sent out like if it's somebody who's got a mental health issue or if it's uh many other disturbances they should not be just thrown to the police and then why are they so militant why are they so violent yeah, but why is like I mean, you put a gun in someone's hand, then all of a sudden you got a heart on and no muscle because they got to shoot you instead of trying to handle the situation. You know what I mean? There's see, that's that. Yeah, I like the peace officer aspect as opposed to law enforcement officer. You know, yeah. um, the law enforcement officer is a judge. You know, that's who's really going to be sitting there enforcing the law. It's the district attorney who's going to be prosecuting your ass. Uh, the police officer, you know, I think that's more of a peace officer. Keep the peace. And, yeah, you got to arrest somebody, arrest him for the crime. Then that guy's going to prosecute him. And then that judge over there is going to say whether or not they broke the law. And then you're going to enforce the law against him, you know? Yeah, and here's the thing, too, is the conversation is being swayed uh, or twisted out here as far as, like, people outside of the state looking in. Um, they see Antifa. But I've been called Antifa. But it's not. They're Americans, the citizens that are just saying, you know what? We are tired of this shit, and there's no time but now to change. Like, we need change, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, how many more videos of people dying since George Floyd died have popped Couple. up? Couple. Yeah. Yep. I, I, yeah. It's just it's beyond bullshit, period. Yeah, it is beyond bullshit, and it's, it, it's just wrong what people think they can do and get away with, uh, especially nowadays. You know, they just... They don't care. I mean, like Donald Trump's a perfect example. He doesn't give a crap about what the law says. He yeah. thinks that he's above the law. Laws don't apply to him. No, this is um, it's wrong. We need change. We're getting there. I mean, stuff has already happened. Boston's uh, diverted twelve million from their uh, police fund. I mean, that tells you right away if you can divert twelve million dollars from a program, you know, without blinking an eye. Apparently, they don't need tanks this week. I'm just saying. Why do they need tanks at all? Exactly. Yeah, it's I don't get it. Uh, can't the uh, National Guard have the tanks? And then when the police need the tanks, they can call the National Guard, and then somebody will be like, "What do you mean tanks? Who invaded it? Antifa? Who's that?" 
it's about people. I mean, overall, it's, it's treating our citizens, our fellow man bullshit, right? Like, as, as an, uh, I guess I can abide by as an atheist or whatever, but yeah. I'm more Christian than half these people that uh, uh, say they're whatever. Because it's so downtown in the, that area, it's being taken over in the Chaz. Uh, I saw some left wing propaganda where they're taking videos, and this guy's like, I saw a woman passed out in the park. This is a major city. You obviously yeah. weren't here two months ago because there's been people passed out in these parks all the time, but You've now they're park naps for a while. This I'm just, heroin's a thing still in all these yeah. major cities, <laughs> you know. All right, we got another question to get to. Yeah, yeah, let's go to the next one. Uh, this one is a little out of my wheelhouse, it's like more medical. Uh, is there a way for me to obtain? A recommendation slash prescribing power like other medical positions, such as a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant, preferably prescribing power. But I understand under the current scheduling, that makes it very difficult at this time. Thank you, Jade the Dreamer, for your question regarding that. Uh, I'd always say, let's look at what the statute provides. So let's see what the law says who can make recommendations for medical cannabis. And that uh, recommendation for medical cannabis would then have to come from somebody and it may say like primary care physician or it might just say doctor or in this case she's wondering if nurse practitioners or physician's assistants would also be able to uh, write not scripts but recommendations yeah. for uh, medical cannabis and uh, i don't i don't oppose like if uh, a physician's assistant or a, a nurse practitioner you know, they have to get a lot of education and if they understand uh, and again it's it's writing a recommendation for medical cannabis is different than subscribe prescribing pills. Like, uh, it, what you're doing is federally illegal, you know? Yeah. And so, I, yeah. I got one on top of that in Washington. When it really, when it first started with medical, it, we were allowed to have, uh, um, a natural pass okay. to, to, to create the subscription. Like that was uh, enough right there. Like if you're a natural path, like, which I, I believe in holistic. We all need the holistic option first before we go to like pills and stuff. But uh, and then, of course, in the, the, the revise of the law, which killed our medical law here is when they rewrote it and said your primary care caregiver. That was the one that now you have to have a degree doctor willing to put his name and job at risk. You know, California went through that in the beginning. Uh, Washington didn't have so many doctors being persecuted, but uh, it, it's there. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's that's what I would recommend in whatever state uh, Jade the Dreamer is in. Uh, check your state's medical cannabis laws regarding who can prescribe and that's the wrong word, recommend medical cannabis. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, so some people in the comments, uh, Nick and uh, Canima Goat are talking about whether or not Illinois can actually uh, have that. And so I'd have to pull up Illinois medical cannabis law and then I'd go into it and say like, all right, who's allowed to write these recommendations? And then it'll tell me. And if we think that it should be amended, then we draft some language. We call our, our elected representatives and then we say, hey, would you consider would you consider making these changes and sponsoring uh, this amendment to that that law? Because I think that more people should be able to write these recommendations. Totally. Yeah. Good question. All right. Uh, next one is from Scott Roberts. Scott Roberts is a real happening cannabis lawyer out of Michigan, managing attorney at Scott Roberts Law. All right. Let's talk about the there's a little speculation over under numbers and lawsuits over the first wave of dispensary approvals slash denials. Uh, I would handicap that at 200, 200 lawsuits. Uh, and, uh, well, okay. Here's how the handicapping works. And so, um, 
all these people are going to get into these ties. And I got to like find it to see whether or not it's just like Article 18 that didn't get passed. So all these people are going to get into these ties for their cannabis licenses. And then they go into a lottery. And that lottery is way more difficult to uh, claim that you shouldn't have been, you know, you should have won or you shouldn't have won because it's not a score. You know, it's it's a random number generator and you got in. Now, uh, what if you should have gotten into the lottery? Maybe then. So like if you didn't get into the lottery and you do a grading and you do a review of your grading and then you say, hey, these points, we should have gotten those points. Yeah, but didn't you see the, there was like thousands of applicants per like that already submitted? So there's what, what's the cap? What's the uh, the maximum? So there's 75 licenses and there's what a thousand people fight for that. Uh, there's 700 teams fighting and they've applied 4,000 times. Jesus. 4,000 times. So at least 500 lawsuits. <laughs> Again, I don't know, uh, because it's it's more difficult to argue that you were wronged if you lost the lottery as opposed to if you didn't get into the lottery. So if you didn't get into the lottery, I could see um, I could see them saying, OK, now you actually need to um, uh, sue so that you can say that I should have been in that lottery and that, you know, you deprived me of my chance to win this license. So just give me one. Just settle. Yeah. Just settle for a license. And uh, and then we'll see how that that works. But uh, I think there's going to be less lawsuits because of the lottery and the ties. Uh, there's there's still going to be lawsuits. And then there's going to be lawsuits, not just against the state. The teams are going to start fighting with each other and there's going to be lawsuits amongst the teams. For the lottery, are they going to is there like some sort of modern day method? Or are they just going to put all the names in like a ball and then shake it up and then pull the name out like ah, you win? I'm not sure. We'll have to we'll have to see what the state comes up with. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me either way if it's electric or if it is B six. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yep. And then we've got uh, what Jim Breeze. Jim Breeze, the marketer from uh, Green Growth CPA, is great guy. Makes excellent uh, YouTube's. If you have not subscribed to Green Growth CPA's YouTube channel, you should. Uh, wonderful presentations by Jim. Uh, so what are your thoughts on class action lawsuits against public cannabis slash CBD companies pertaining to their financial disclosures being potentially misleading, inaccurate or incomplete? Oh, yes. As a as a corporate style lawyer, that's probably going to be doing what they call private placement memorandums and securities law uh, that, you know, makes me just go. What's my malpractice limit again? Because with malpractice limits, you never want to uh, do anything that's going to be in excess of them uh, as you then might be personally liable. And so I would be nervous uh, about whomever uh, the, the attorneys were that did these. These were probably, uh, you know, they're called PPMs, they're private placement memorandums. So if you and I had a company and we wanted to start going raising some money. We need $10 million for this company. It's going to, it's going to generate $35 million a year, but we need 10 to get it off the ground. So you go to a lawyer like me and I'm like, all right, tell you what, we'll do your entire uh, private placement memorandum. It's going to be a fairly thick stack of documentation. There's going to be a business plan in there. There's going to be um, your, your operating agreement is going to be in there. The entire story of your company and the, uh, the, the stock, and it's not really stock if it's a membership interest in an LLC, but it's an equity interest in your company offering. And you're going to make all these promises and you're going to, you're going to make all these representations. And then somebody's going to sign on the line and cut you a check. And then 
that's when you have to be worried because if that person doesn't get their money back, they might say, okay, well, let's see how we can get our money back. Is there a lawyer out there that drafted this uh, private placement memorandum? All right. Well, that lawyer has malpractice insurance and I'm sure that he doesn't walk on water. So he screwed something up. Go find whatever you can find in this private placement memorandum that says how you got you know, why whatever you did was a violation of your fiduciary duty as a lawyer, and therefore we should sue you for malpractice and get all your your your, your statutory limits or whatever your limits are under your, your malpractice cap. That's where, I, you know, I want to help my teams by drafting these, but then I would also on the front end, make sure that I have as many waivers as possible. And then second, uh, on the back end, I would probably also partner with somebody who is more skilled in securities laws as a mentor to, to, to guide me through a few of them. Well, I cut my teeth. And then I would also say like, and the other reason I want you to do that is let me talk about your malpractice limits. Cause if this guy goes out there and raises $10 million and I'm only insured for a million dollars, I don't want a, a $9 million judgment against me. You know? Mm. I, yeah. But as a, um, the, the person suing the CBD company, right? This isn't a case of like a CBD company not being profitable, period, right? Well, they, they were lying to their investors. So ah. it's a class action. So exactly. It's exactly the type of problem where like if I created the, the private placement memo or whatever the CBD company or whatever High Times, for example, because High Times was doing that. And I haven't seen that investment chicanery with High Times lately, but I haven't been looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if I would have done those uh, those those financial and then also that legal documentation, uh, that legal product to be able to allow them to solicit and then also to raise those funds, whether it's through uh, Reg D, uh, you know, five or six, you know, depending on whether or not they're accredited investors or whether or not you have a previous relationship with the person or like under uh, reg crowdfunding. Uh, if I so if I would have like drafted all that paper, I would be worried because I'd be like, oh, crap. Uh, and then I, I would, of course, turn around and be like, well, look, I'm just a lawyer. You lied to me. Kind of like the old accountant thing. It's like those numbers were what you gave me and they were right. And, you know, and so now you have the lawyer suing the client. You have uh, the, the investors suing the client and the lawyer. You have a, a whole cluster. And so I would need to review these class actions to see whether or not the um, the plaintiff in them have standing. Uh, and then also I would have to see just how misleading and accurate and incomplete these suckers were. And then I would have to see like, you know, what, what firm was on that and be like, wow, they really, they really didn't do their job on this one. Hopefully they checked their malpractice insurance before they put out that steaming pile of crap. In the case of the CBD issue though, like this is something that's kind of representative of like the medical industry out here in Washington back in the day where a lot of people tried to do all the right things with lawyers. You know, they had uh, the, the business license, the, the affirmative defense and everything. And then, of course, the federal government does what they want to do, and they lost. And then it became like, well, it's your fault. You told me, I, no, you, you tried your best. I mean, yeah. lawyers aren't like, you know, they don't have swords and shit to defend everything. The, the, the federal government does what it wants. There's that, you know, but then there is lawyers are like doctors. Some are really good. Some stink on ice. <laughs> and then when... Uh, how many plants will New York and Canada allow? Let's see here. Uh, New York, recreational marijuana. Now, you see, again, uh, when we were talking to Elliot, you know, great, great episode. If you haven't checked that one out, go watch our uh, interview regarding New York cannabis laws uh, with Elliot Choi. And so when we were talking to him, he did mention that there's two main competing plans. There's Cuomo's MRTA, the Marijuana Regulation and Tax Act. And then there's Senator Kruger's uh, CURTA, which is 
the same thing in Illinois, the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act. Uh, however, how many will, oh no, I'd have to do, I, I went to one of those, you know, newspapers and then newspapers make you do, um, paywall. No, no, that it's a paywall, but it's, it's one that you can do. Like it's basically a survey, do this survey. You can read this, this content. Uh, but what you would do is you'd, you'd look at the Curta and the Murta, and then you would say, all right, well, this one allows this and that one allows that. And for me, I would have to say like, which of the the following psoriasis treatments have you had? None. Next. Okay. Now I can actually read it. Uh, and so, uh, how many, how many, I got Canada's answer. What's Canada's? So according from the CA website, four. Four plants per person per household. It says here. Let me just make that bigger. Control plants. Oh, in cannabis, uh, at home permits up to four cannabis plants per household, not per person. Wow, that's interesting. All right, let me. Uh, I'm going to bring up the Curta. Oh wait, no, that's the Murta, sponsored by Liz Kruger. Okay, uh, bill and amendments. Let's look at the. Let's look at the. I want to actually see the the text of the bill. Oh, there it is. Download PDF text. Okay, and uh, now I can share my screen. And here is the uh, the the one from Senator Kruger. So this one would be the Curta. Uh, and then we can zoom into it. And this came out January fifteenth, nineteen. So let's let's look for plants. Cannabis means all part of that plant. How about plants uh, cultivation? Still nineteen of them. Oh, a nursery. That would be nice. A nursery license. Let's see, amount of plants, cultivate, oh, home cultivation. Here it is. Buried on uh, line 51 of page 30 of the Murta is, uh, notwithstanding this provision of section, AT, blah, 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 uh, six. That's the average. Six, plant, cultivate, harvest, dry, process, or possess no more than six mature cannabis plants at one time and so uh there you go but that's actually a lot six is a lot and then they they did something mature cannabis plants mm. what is a mature cannabis plant probably with buds you think flowering buds I, I still don't like how they say um mature cannabis plants but yet they don't restrict it to females oh good point i think it should be six female cannabis plants but you know we're still weighing brownies and calling that the weight of goddamn we doing. aren't the cops are well you know what i mean though. you know the 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 lawful producers are actually making a disclosure on on it and they have like you know oh there's uh we got a question from tyron collins five milligrams yeah and these are now gone they were delicious but they're five milligrams and so each one of those mints had five milligrams and so i'm sure that mint might have weighed a gram you know, because it's got a lot of sugar and minty stuff and crap in it. Oh, yeah. so, uh, if the cops, you know, weighed that as a gram, even though like it's advertised five milligrams, I think that's highly disingenuous. But, you know, hey, here's a good question from Tyrone. Does the state of Illinois have a listing of all the approved social equity applicants? No, they do not. In fact, uh, the state of Illinois is still issuing 10-day notices to social equity applicants or other applicants for the dispensary. They're still grading the dispensary applications. And uh, it was a, an anonymous, confidential process. And so the winners 
I believe will all be social equity applicants yeah. and they will post a list of the, the winners. And so then, yes, there will be in the not too far distant future in approximately one month, they will have uh, posted the winners because then we're going to have knowledge of who is actually going to be uh, uh, operating and not. Hey, you've answered number seven before. I've answered number seven before, have I? Let's see. Uh, well, well, let's let's get to number seven anyway. You know, uh, let's let's go to it. Do you see Illinois changing the law that makes medical patients pick to one dispensary to use? Yes, and it's already been drafting, and 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 it was it just didn't get passed, and so it may still become the law this year in Illinois at the veto session if that uh, that that uh, Senate bill that was amended and had a lot of other things, including Article 18 to the CRTA, uh, if that gets passed. Yeah. I'm going to kill this last name, and I apologize for Skylar Necht. Um, Skylar Necht. Or yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm assuming the case silent, like knife. But uh, any good info on Ohio legalization? Uh, you know, because we are friends. You know, we're trying. There's free Ohio. Um, free Ohio. You know, uh, there's... You know, I don't know if that's going to pass because, you know, they're trying to do that whole open license uh, or not open. No, license. no. Like, like a, no, there's no like the, the problem with theirs is that it's it's undercapitalized and nobody in the industry because the industry is just like a greedy vulture that's looking for a new market. And yeah. so they would look at that and they would go, no, no. They yeah. would look at Illinois and say, yeah, yeah, because then. Uh, competitive, competitive would be great because then you see we've already been operating all these other states. We're going to come off smelling of roses, but if it's just random lottery for five years and then they kick you out and they bring somebody else in, they would they would probably buy ads against that. Be like no on twenty four, you know. I think they need to focus on their medical legislation because, uh, like I've said before, Prop two fifteen medical was the gateway to legalization overall. And if they were to just have a good medical program, the people see they kind of calm down about the reefer madness attitude at that point, you know, because uh, the culture develops itself. You know, people are smoking all around you. You don't even know it until one day you're like, oh, shit, I didn't realize all my neighbors were about to get high. And then, uh, no yeah, one- yeah. blowing into those uh, toilet paper rolls stuffed with uh, downy uh, dryer sheets. You ever see that in college? Oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, like I said, we used to have dad bars here, man. We had farmer's markets. There was a whole culture of people just fucking smoking every day and parties and events. And no one batted an eye. No one knew about it. High times when they had a cup here, it was an amazing event. Uh, They had to do a separate smoking section uh, because it couldn't be at the Coliseum. So it was across the street. And uh, no incidences. No crime. Nothing violent happened with thousands of people smoking and hanging out for a day all right let's do one more question yeah and then uh i want to and it was in the comments somebody sheep work cute name uh if i have a medical card in illinois and grow more than five plants what's the penalty uh you can find that uh and that's in the statute and then it's also in the an amendment to another statute the illinois cannabis control act uh normal maintains very good websites with charts on these for every state. Uh, I want to say if you go over your limits, it's a $200 penalty, it, but it depends, of course. Like if you're growing 5,000 plants, yeah, no, nah, it's not going to work. Do you uh, guys have any um, wrongful arrests? We have here in Washington up north, there was a medical patient, him and his wife, 
both were limited to 15 plants and they had their amount and they were still messed with by the sheriff up there. Well, again, you know, make sure that you use odor humidification. You don't want the, because I, I don't believe that the police have probable cause based on smell to search your house. It's like, oh, that smells like six plants. I can definitely yeah. smell the sixth plant, you know, uh, but uh, it, it, comply with the law. Don't go over your legal limits. Uh, and so if you grow more than five plants, there is a penalty. I, I know that if you're an adult and you're growing five plants or less, it's a $200 fine. And so there's that, but uh, I'm not sure if that's what it would be. Uh, can I do plants in stages? Kind of, not really. You can uh, have as many plants as you want under five inches or six inches, I want to say. And then after that, then you'd have to kill them, which I think is terrible. I think you should, I think it should be uh, the mature plants like they do in New York. I think it should be five, maybe six mature female plants. Uh, and that's it. But uh, then you could, you could actually try to grow males for the purposes of making seeds uh, for yourself. And, you know, when you're trying to like create strains though, with only five plants, I don't know, it's kind of tough. Um, and so, okay, that's, that's great. And, you know, thank you very much. Uh, sheep work on that one. And now, um, how do I not show that? Okay. You got a present, don't you? I do. I have a present. Okay. Thank you for hiding that Lauren. And, and the present is uh, two presents. And so, uh, I, what I'm getting myself is some charity. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to celebrate my 40th birthday by doing some pro bono hours like you're supposed to. If you're a good lawyer, you're supposed to do pro bono. It's not all about taking the people's money. It's about helping. And so there's two programs, and I'm not sure which one I, I want to assist a team with. Uh, I think either one is very, very uh, noble, and, and I'm going to help one team with either of these. One of them is the R3 program, and the R3 program is one of the excellent, cool things in the Illinois cannabis law because it allows fixing the harms associated with the drug war. And I was on their uh, uh, webinar part two today, and essentially I would help a team write their grant. And so uh, I would help that team write their grant and then they would apply. The deadline is looming. The deadline is July 20th. And so like their service delivery grants to provide services to repair the harm caused by economic disinvestment, violence and the war on drugs. And then there's also assessment and planning grants to develop a plan to address community concerns about poverty, safety and well-being. This is something in the Illinois law that should be not just in Illinois, in Pennsylvania, in New York, and Washington state's one, in Missouri's, fixing the war on drugs, finding out and, and, and going to these communities and re uh, restoring, reinvesting, and renewing these communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs and poverty. These are traditionally the disproportionately impacted areas in the state of Illinois. One of the ways that you could have gotten your social equity uh, aspect or your social equity points in your cannabis uh, application. And again, I think it's, we're gonna have, you know, over 90% of the winners or all of the winners, I bet, that outside the transporter license are gonna be social equity applicants. Yeah. So uh, if, I, if I can't find a team that wants help uh, drafting their grant right, their grant writing, then I will help one qualified social equity applicant. This is going to be one of the people that wins the 75 license. I want to help them 
get their money from uh, the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. These are the social equity cannabis loans. And it's and this is another aspect uh, that is excellent in the Illinois law, and it's built right into it. So who qualifies? It has to be social equity applicants, you know, and then, of course, they tell them what the social equity applicant is, but they also have to be uh, a qualified social equity applicant in the sense that they've won the license. Like, you know, you really can't apply for this this uh, this uh, state money until you have your conditional adult use dispensary license. Once you get that approximately four weeks, we're going to have 75 winners and I want to help uh, one of those 75 winners access their their capital or i want to help a team that's not necessarily related to cannabis but is related to this r3 program and i have a couple that i might like call on but then if anybody's watching this that did apply for their um their cannabis dispensary license and they've won uh get in touch with me i might still be looking for the right opportunity because the 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 r3 program i'm going to try but um there was only 10 people on that webinar today. Wow. That's it. So like, I'm trying to put the word out for the R3 program as well. Like, Hey guys, uh, there's money out there to help fix the war on drugs in the state of Illinois. Let's do it. You know, uh, let's, let's make this, uh, this let's show the other States how effective cannabis legalization can be for equity and also for uh, prosperity in in our communities. And, uh, and so if I'm going to try to help uh, a team uh, with either getting their money because they won or with getting their grant money because they have a great idea for uh, the R3 program. Nice. And we have a, a viewer who is a social equity applicant for the 2021 graph and lowers license, Tyrone. All right, Tyrone, good luck out there, man. If you win, uh, get in touch with me and then I can help you and your team uh, make their loan application with DCEO. Hey, and Carrie Cannon says happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I, uh, I am a 40 year old man finally. Well, tomorrow, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be good. You, uh, try to get too hung over though. Uh, yes. Do not get hung over after you turn 37 or something like that. You can't drink like you used to. And, uh, and that's okay because usually after you turn 37, you have like a whole bunch of other priorities and obligations is besides getting drunk, you know? Oh, oh no, it, it, you plan it. That's how it works. You're like, okay. Oh, thank goodness. This is exactly what I wanted on my birthday. Destroy the cyst. We must. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Master Yoda. Thanks for watching. Dope. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. Oh, shit, man. Good thing. Well, let's, uh, let's bring Lauren on and let's kind oh, of yeah. wrap up the show. All yeah. right. That's going to do it for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we got a lot of people commenting. Chris Besides, Nick Weiger, John Maddox, Andy Smith. Thank you all for watching and thanks for commenting and celebrating yep. Tom's birthday with us. Make sure you like and subscribe. We will see you on Sunday. Hey, who do we got Sunday? Let's let's promote the show. Yeah, this Sunday we have Sunny from uh, Kush Kush. They're oh. a grower out in Washington. So yeah, growers are going to want to tune in. Growers are going to want to tune in. We got a good one on Sunday. It's uh, I think he's a tier three. Is that uh, the largest one, Miggy, in uh, Washington? Uh, I confuse because it's like wires. I forget which one's the higher one or lower one, which is bigger. But yeah, I mean, it's up there. It's, it's still not a small operation. No, right? no, it's an indoor. It's I looked at their website. They grow beautiful flower. And so like, have you tried the Kush Kush stuff? No, but I'm excited to find out. And, All right, yeah, you know, uh, 
And then maybe what, what we should do on Sunday, they could talk, we'll talk all about like the growing, the cultivation, and he's an Indian American, which is great. So it's also um, diversity in India. I mean, we score really highly in India because we did the uh, the show with Legalized India on. Yeah. Uh, and so it'll be excellent to see that aspect, but maybe like you can talk to him about, you know, what type of flavors, what type of strains, and then get yourself a, a good recommendation from their repertoire. Well, I might just show up at their place and take a little tour of the video. Oh yeah, that'd be dope. I love that. I love that. All right, guys. Well, uh, if you if you do want to get me another birthday gift, you can head on over to shadyhousepub.com and pick up your copy of Satan Smoke. I'm going to go. Actually, I have another meeting that starts in five minutes. After that meeting, I'm going to go to the post office. All right. We'll see you on Sunday. See you Sunday.